Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Camera action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk to film. I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast and all those people on Twitch. I am Ryan. Joining me is Brad. Hello. Zach. Hey. And every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Marcel Deschel with shoes on. Stay tuned because very soon we will tell you if we recommend the film or not and then play the trailer and then discuss the film sometimes with spoilers i don't know if there's really spoilers in this movie but maybe and yeah that's what we do now normally this time i talk about how great i am and oh man look at this cool thing i did this week i'm so awesome but i'm gonna take people on a journey well not me personally brad you're gonna take us on a journey from denver colorado all the way to Tromaville, Pennsylvania, where your film, Legend of the Brewmaster, played at Troma Danceville something. <laughs> Tell us about your journey, Brad. You can see your brain just working so hard to <laughs> I, I'm trying to like line something up, but it just wasn't happening. Um yeah, I showed the Legend of Drunken Brewmaster, or in this case, uh, the Legend of Drunken Brewmeister, according to their program. Um <laughs> at a at um, the Mahoning Drive-In in in Layton, Lahighton, Lahighton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I'm struggling to remember the uh, the weekend because man, I did a lot of stuff um, in a short amount of time, and I don't know if you've ever driven 26 hours straight. Um, I have actually in two directions twice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I went and saw Rod Stewart. Well, I guess it was 24 hours. I went and saw Rod Stewart in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, why did it take you so long to get there? Because <laughs> could have like done that 20... in 16. <laughs> I don't know. I remember it being like almost 24 hours. But anyways, your story, not mine. Uh, yeah. So we intended to get there Friday evening. Um, so we didn't have a hotel room. So we decided, okay, uh, let's just go another two hours and hang out and, and sleep in Brooklyn uh, and then get up and go to Coney Island and whatnot and then go to the drive-in. So there was no sleep till Brooklyn. That's right. <laughs> uh, we, we, we added that song to our stories uh, when we posted about it. So yeah, we got to Brooklyn about 3 a.m. And if you've ever wondered uh, how busy traffic is at 3 a.m. In, in Brooklyn, New York, um, it's still pretty busy. Um, and the city that never sleeps, Brad. Yeah, we slept there for five hours. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Got up and went to so Coney you Island. In your car? 
No, we got a hotel. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got up, went to Coney Island, which doesn't open until noon. So <laughs> we bummed around the beach for a little bit, and then we went to the Ghostbusters Firehouse, which last nice. time I was there was being renovated. So it was just covered in scaffolding and uh, green uh, textured wrapping, whatever. But it was fully operational, and uh, it is a working firehouse. Um, and yeah, it has the logo on the front and inside they sell Ghostbusters merchandise. So I bought a Ghostbusters patch. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like five bucks. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll support the fire department. Hell yeah. F- NYFD. Um, so that was cool. And then we went right back to Coney Island now that it was operating and had fun there. When we were done with that, I came out and got a parking ticket. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Did you pay it? Uh, I will. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what, so um, if you see a sign that says "no standing," what what do you think that means? Don't stand there. I don't. Know. Yeah. Don't don't be a human body that's that's standing around in one spot for too long. Yeah. Apparently, that applies to cars, um, hmm. and that's what that means. It it means no leaving your car in a zone. Uh, for more than like drop off time. So, oh, well, I mean, at least they didn't tow it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, Anyways, learn something yeah. new. So we went to the drive-in. But you know, uh, your problem is, is you're a fucking Westerner and you come up to New York and you try to figure out what the fuck to do and you're too fucking stupid. That's my New York guy. Pretty spot on. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we went, we uh, drove back to the drive-in. Um, and the first night they had Tromeo and Juliet and uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man. And one of the film, which we were too tired to stay through. So left that early. Um, but while we were there, we met uh, Lloyd Kaufman. He uh, signed our poster. That was pretty cool. Got a picture taken with him. Nice. And uh, yeah, the drive-in was cool. Um, about half capacity. Their drive-in actually allows for camping. So the back rows, people just have tents uh set up and stuff so that's neat the next day we met up with a friend of mine from high school uh during the day and then when we went back to the drive-in um you know it was the uh it was the big day with the three uh toxic avenger films and um Ryan hadn't seen I'd seen one of like each of them before Ryan hadn't seen any of them uh, Ryan was the guy no. I was driving with uh, he's the star of the Drunken Brewmaster um, but you know it was packed because you know most other people didn't have to drive as far as we did so like their weekend was Saturday so we mm. got there um, and we're kind of sitting around waiting for the movies to start and we said well I don't I'm not I don't need to watch the Tux Avenger again and Ryan's like I don't need to ever watch it. I'm just here for the film on Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, and we already met Lloyd. So we said, screw this. Let's go back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I showed, uh, Ryan times square cause he'd never nice. been. Um, and it was like that strip where, you know, the iconic part, um, mm-hmm. most times I've been there, it's been like a weekday, um, and, or winter, um and so this was summer on a saturday night and it was packed like i should have covid um (laughs) everyone is just taking selfies or taking pictures of other people 
you know, for their blogs or their vlogs. Um, but it's still mesmerizing. And like, I'm trying to find the billboards with, you know, Darth Vader slashing through it. Cause it's like, it looks like it's supposed to be there, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff. So that was cool. And then we went to uh, Rockefeller center, check that out and grand central station. And I just gave Ryan the, you know, the, the Manhattan tour in under two hours. Um, yeah. So you've, you've been to New York enough, Brad, to be able to know how to get around and shit. <laughs> I've done enough two hour tours to, yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, uh, day three was the big day, uh, showing the film. And, um, we're like in this block of shorts that are all subversive and have, have weird shit going on. And we're watching ours. And, uh, we were just kind of wondering, like, why did they pick ours? Like, it's so tame compared mm-hmm. to all this other stuff. And that's also it's, it's a drive-in, so everyone's in their cars, so that you can't really hear everyone's reaction to it. Like, there's claps at the end that you can hear, and um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of it played, and that was it. Um, mm-hmm. There you go. <clears throat> yeah, but but it was a good mix of stuff. Uh, like, they had a really good variety of things, lots of you know animation, uh, foreign films, even. Um, so, and then, um, you know, there was like these two big features that they promoted all weekend that we had to miss. So that's a bummer. Uh, Brad, you left off the part where you made real nerds famous on quick stop. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to the Jane Silent Bob secret stash, which since I'd been there last, they'd moved down the street and, uh, really upgraded like the, you know, it's bigger, it's got more elaborate design like promotion of stuff you know they, they have like an outside window case with all the memorabilia from the films um and you know the inside has the fake quick stop facade um so i got a comic there and then we went over to um the, the actual quick stop and um you know bought some supplies for the road and then uh since i've been there kevin smith has like bought the other half of the or I guess maybe leasing the other half of the structure. Cause there's the quick stop on the one end that you've seen in the movies. Then there's RST video. And then there's still like another structure twice that size attached to the other end of the building. And that's now the Smod castle where they do mm-hmm. live podcasts and events there, which they're, they're actually trying to do, I think um, uh, some other interesting stuff there beyond just that. Like I'm like, I know they're going to do the film festival there. Yeah. The film festival will be there, but this particular weekend, nothing's going on, so it's just closed. Um, but uh, yeah, I threw a real nerd sticker on their window, so kind of like a, like a little hello from the real nerds. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard then, Walt uh, Flanagan doesn't run that anymore. Jane Silent Bob Secret Stash. Yeah, no, he's retired. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know if he retired or what. They really didn't say anything, but yeah, it's on the Tell and Steve Day podcast. I mean, they didn't announce it, but if you listen to them just talk, it you know it comes up in conversation. But yeah, so while I was there, uh, last time I was there it was a Sunday, and Sunday Jeff was there. And <laughs> even though this was a Friday or Saturday, um, as I was walking around, there, the door was open to like the back room where they store everything, and there he was again. So, but yeah, the front <laughs> counter just had like kids, like teens or young adults that you know hired help, you know, running the show. So. Yeah, right on the next generation of clerks. The next generation, yeah. So very cool. Yeah, I got pictures that I'll be posting and of all that, and yeah, it was quite an adventure. And uh, yeah, someday I hope to go back at a leisurely pace. Hopefully, I'll go to the film festival because yeah, except for a film, be sweet. Yeah, 
That'd be cool. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, thank you for that, Brad. <laughs> we saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Brad, do you recommend Marcel the Shell? You know, I saw this movie probably three weeks ago. Uh, so my memory of it's a little fuzzy, but uh, the thing I remember the most about it is that absolutely you should see it. Uh, it's completely delightful. Um, Zach, if you don't like this movie, I don't know what to do with you. What? <laughs> There's nothing but pure unadulterated joy. And it's similar to a Paddington scenario where you look at the Rotten Tomatoes and you see it's 99% and you want to shake the one person who dropped it down, like just shake them very hard. Um, it's just wonderful. I liked watching this kind of stop motion innovation happening with a documentary style. I don't, I might be ignorant of other films that done it, but I don't think I've ever seen it done this way before. Um, it's just absolutely stunning to look at. And the, the story is so simple and it just, it just hits an emotional core in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Go see it. Yeah. This movie is incredible. And to your point, when I, when I went on Rotten Tomatoes, there's something like 89 reviews or something. And it's literally one review that did not like the film. Uh huh. And it has to be on purpose because mm-hmm. it got me to click to their website. It's like the twins of evil or I forget what it is. Yeah, they're evil, all right. It's just like a movie review site. And it's like the, who's that one dude? He's infamous for doing it. Or if the movie's really bad, he'll be the one guy who likes it. So it makes it like 1%. Is he like, he must have been the guy who did that for like Lady Bird or fucking Get Out or uh, Paddington (laughs) or whatever. Yeah, but you're like, really? You're the one person out of 89 of quote unquote real critics that doesn't like this movie. I don't know. It's just always weird to me when, when movies are so well revered, um, it doesn't really matter if it's Marcel or Paddington or even something like the dark Knight. That's at, you know, 97%. Who are the 3% of people that don't enjoy it? I just don't get it. Anyways, <laughs> the Joker, a, the penguin, the Riddler, they don't like yeah. that man, Peter <laughs> or, or <Yeah>. Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> The, the the Legion of Doom are the people that don't like it. Yeah, so. they're the ones who are review bombing fucking Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the Black Manta. Get out there and hate this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should see this film because it is delightful. It's wonderfully done. Here's the trailer for Marcel the Shell with shoes on. All right, so I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Hmm? Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash. Because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So, it's actually only two of us now. Myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes. Because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, make the noise. Sometimes I find my mind wandering, thinking, what would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Marcello, let's 
forget about being afraid. Just take the adventure. Okay, let, let's do it. Hi, everybody. It's Marcel. I'm recording this video because I'm looking for my family. Marcel Lachelle and the search for a family reunited. <laughs> Marcel, how long has it been since you've seen your family? I couldn't tell you, but a space in my heart gets bigger and louder every day. Mm. Dean, do you know how long? That's two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know. There's so many places that they could be. Marcel the shell with shoes on. Whoa. You are beautiful. There must be so many others like me. Mama. He has got to go. Not that I don't like Arthur. Not that. No. Oh my God. Arthur. No. No. Arthur. Ah. The, the basic premise is Marcel the shell is literally a shell that has shoes on, but is sentient. So he like talks and walks and does all this stuff. And he lives in this home with his grandma. And you learn that the home has become an Airbnb because the people that live there got a divorce or broke up or something. And when they did that, they took all the his family uh, shells and accidentally. Yeah, and cereal and check mix and crackers with them. And uh sewing when, kits. Like <laughs> Yeah. And when they do that, Marcel is by himself just with his grandmother. And it just so happens that a filmmaker goes to the house and wants to start filming Marcel and his life. And as he does this, you learn that. Marcel misses his family and he wants to be reconnected with his community. And so they send out a plead on YouTube. And when they do that, it catches the attention of 60 minutes and Leslie Stahl, who Marcel loves. And she comes and interviews him. And that's the basic premise of it. There's a lot more to it, but um, that's what happens in the movie. And right away, I mean, I, I was transfixed into this world immediately um, because they show him how, you know, they, he sets up the cord with the record player and, um, to get things and his grandmother, um, you know, gardens by, because she read the book and it's just a really cute movie that has tons of heart to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so simple and it's, it's lovely to look at a, a sentient being like that shell and being like, I don't need to know why it's talking. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I just want it to talk. Um, Ryan, I didn't realize the Chiodo brothers were involved in this. Yeah. The, they're, of course, famous for killer clowns from outer space. That's fucking insane. <laughs> I love it. I love that they did that. Um, so, they also did the, the Ninja Turtles uh, live action show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they're, they're one of those studios that keep on making things and 
you forget that how influential they are because they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're not out there and in your face, like uh, I'm not in a bad way, but maybe like Stan Winston was, or even K and B, you know, they're just an effects company that does lots of things and just kind of sticks to their own shindig. Right. Well, I mean, like they've, they've done it. Like I, I didn't realize until looking it up like earlier, but like they're, they're, they were puppet supervisors on team America and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like there's, they, they've got their own, they've got their own wonderful thing going. So, but I, I it makes me want to rewatch killer clowns from outer space, which is not the thing you should take away necessarily from Marcel, the shoe, <laughs> the shell with shoes on. But yeah, it's, but it also has a lot to say about uh, society now too. I, I, I really loved how the movie unfolded and, you know, the, the people that lived there had a fight and the, the documentarian who was there, you know, was separating from his wife and Marcel would ask him questions and, you know, he kept on saying, well, this is about you. And Marcel has this great personality where he just, you know, likes everybody and is very curious and, um, and he cares for his grandmother, you know, when she gets hurt and is basically dying and he wants to go on 60 minutes, but he won't go on it because, you know, he needs his grandmother to feel better. And then she fakes being better. So he'll do the show. I mean, it's really touching, but at the end, you know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And it's it's just played so well. I, I, did either of you watch their shorts on YouTube? I have. I've never seen them. I uh, haven't. But yeah, I liked what I had to say about uh, like internet celebrity because you know there's that great middle of the movie where um you know he's trying to you know the the documentarian is trying to build a campaign to, you know to help you know if we get this out there the world can help you find your family and where they went and they can help us track them down. And, you know, Marcel gets huge, but it's all about all these strangers coming and then just uh, like latching onto that celebrity by just taking photos of the house and like, yeah, so they're like, Hey, we showed up here. And like, that makes, you know, that's great for us, but no one's engaging Marcel or actually doing any of the hard work that it takes to track the family down. So it's just this, this really shallow um, like look at, like how the internet is used incorrectly, I guess. Um, yeah, and what yeah. um what what line does he have when he says, "I have all these people like liking me, but I don't have a community." It's something along the lines of that. I can't remember it right yeah, now. You know, like that, yeah. When he's scrolling through the comments, because all the comments are, you know, "OMG, he's so cute." OMG, I I love him, or things like that. But they don't really help help him, and he has this really poignant line that I wish I can remember. Yeah, I, I saw it weeks ago, so I have no idea. I'm I'm blanking on the line. It, it's 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 some it, it amount it amounts to the thing that they see visually in those comments. Where instead of I, I think it's literally just like people commenting, but they're not participating. Like it's it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. Like it's it, it it's it's. It's a very firm but kind pointing of the finger that I think is better handled than just yelling 
at somebody like it shows it from the kindest place imaginable like how shallow the reception is when you see a viral video of that nature and it's not an indictment against creators it's an indictment against the fans quote unquote yeah i mean and you know the character of marcel is just (laughs) is so optimistic and he's so great there's there's a line in it too then this one actually stuck with me and i remember it is uh he he tells dean the the documentarian he says you know um you know why i guess why i smile a lot and Mm -hmm. you know dean says why and he says because it's worth it And, and and things like that and where this movie doesn't really have you know lots of stakes assigned to him finding his family but how you feel when you watch it it's just one of those movies you just feel good watching and you know the stop motion is incredible and the, the oh, way yeah. it's filmed is incredible yeah it's a beautiful um, movie like, it is so all the shots well are just gorgeous yeah and the little details throughout it um are just fantastic yeah there's like a uh, wide shot of the laundry room uh i think marcel's like sitting on the window or standing on the windowsill and if you look really closely, like there's a little trail of uh, like honey shoe prints <laughs> yeah. leading up to that spot. Like they're very faint, but like, like it's a it, wide shot. So you probably wouldn't notice it, but they still put them in there. So, and yeah. you know, it, cause it's a funny thing where he puts honey on his shoes so he can walk up the walls and there's little things going on throughout the film where he's doing it a bunch. And he also kind of does it to escape and, um it's just so well done i mean i I can't say enough about how wonderful this movie is Mm -hmm. yeah i was a little confused about all the uh all the uh other anthropomorphized stuff that like in the finale there's not just shells but yeah like i said check mix and cereal and and was one of them a tampon (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay Um, i mean i you have no idea where they come from or what they are because they never really explain how Dean finds out about Marcel and his grandma. Yeah. And did we find out uh, more about the, uh, the couple's backstory? Like I know it comes at the end, but like, it's been a while. So I forgot. Um, th- like, did they say what sent them out of the house? No, they just what, had what an argument. Just, it was just an yeah. argument. Yeah. Just an it's, argument. And that's how. It, Marcel found his families because they all hide in the drawer when they argue. It literally calls itself down to a bare essential and drops you right in the middle of it. I, I not once in this movie did I ask, well, what's their backstory? Cause I'm just like, it literally does not matter. We're ta- we're dealing with a shell right now, <laughs> but um, it, I mean, it's the, the one like character trait for Dean is that he's going through a separation, which I guess he and Jenny Slate, um, are now separated, but they were a couple when they started making these videos. So uh, that that lent a little real life authenticity to it. It sounded like, yeah, and and, and Jenny Slate, man, she crushes it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, already, I mean, she's already pretty great if you watch her and things. I, I mean, I I adore her in Parks and Rec, but um, you know, she's really talented, and not only can she write and sing and act but she's an incredible voice actress who i mean i guess because she's so talented it's not that shocking but Mm -hmm. um i mean how she's able to convey that 
innocence, but also wisdom at the same time is a, is a testament to her incredible voice acting ability. Agreed. Yeah, I, I just love this movie. And I, it's one of those movies that's having a slow rollout and it's starting to pick up steam. Um, so I hope it continues to do well. And, you know, these are the type of movies that I love seeing A24 make because they're the only ones who would take a chance on a film like this. And it, it didn't fall into the A24 sometimes traps that they get into where it's so bizarre that it's off-putting. Mm-hmm. Where this is just a really cute movie and really well made. Mm-hmm. This just makes you feel good watching it because it's, it's yeah, it's such a kind movie. It really is, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, even the part with the grandma who just wants him to be happy and find his community. Because she knows she's going to die, so he needs to get out there and find someone else because he's going to be by himself. So, uh, just the, the they had a really sweet relationship, and um, yeah, it was just a really great movie. That's, that's all I can say about it. I don't know what yeah. else to say. Yeah, yeah. everything else is really just a like, like you're just watching his life unfold, like yeah. just the the random mundane things that he does to you know deal with this problem like passing the time while trying to find a solution to you know find his family and yeah with very little resources until this documentary comes along yeah i i will add uh one thing to it i I went and saw this at the alamo and i saw it at noon on a monday and it was in theater four at the Sloan's Lake Alamo, which is one of the bigger ones. And so I got Kellen and I, and Kellen's really good at movies. He doesn't talk. He understands because I've ingrained that into him that when you're in movies and you're seeing them, you know, at a theater, you can't talk. You need to enjoy the movie. And that's what we do. So uh, anyways, we get there and I pick Kellen and I are the only two people in row four and the rest of the theater. There's like, maybe six, eight more people in the theater that have already bought tickets by when I bought them. So I don't know, there's 70, 80 open seats in this theater. And so Kellen and I are sitting in row four, um, like right in the middle. And about four minutes before the movie starts, this uh, older couple comes in and the lady sits right next to Kellen. And then her husband sits to her left. And then she gets up and moves to the other side of her husband obviously because she sat next to my son and the server came by and she he said oh these this isn't your seat this your your seat's the the one to your husband's right and she said yeah can i just switch seats and he says well you can go see the concierge and they can change your seats for you so he got up and left and i leaned over and says yeah we don't want to sit next to you either <laughs> and um, <laughs> she and her husband got out and never came back wow but my point being is is they let you pick your seats and there's 70 other open seats and why did you sit right next to us and you're going to be not a nice person and you know think that my my kid's going to be a problem in this movie i bet she's the kind of person in a movie who says who's that person i recognize the voice you know Anyways, that was my that's my bitch for the day, but I I made someone leave the theater cuz I called them out on it. <laughs> nice. No, I'm 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 here for that cuz yeah. You you bought the seats 
there was no one when you, there when you bought the seats. So yeah, like we were the picked- only two people there. And Brad and Zach, mm-hmm. you probably know this about me too. That if yeah. I if a theater is that open, I am not going to pick a seat right next to somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's stupid. Yeah, they they when they bought their seats, there was clearly two dots taken up, and they were like, yeah. "This will be fine. I'll go sit next to these." people despite all these other ones being open i want to be right up front because i'm special and i should be (laughs) in the best possible seat and maybe if i sit down they'll not want to sit next to me and they'll move yeah and i'll get the seat i really wanted it was just aggravating and that's so that's why i told her i said yeah we don't want to sit next to you either and she got up and left with her husband so i went wow and they're probably like walking down the hallway on the way out and be like, that server embarrassed me. And that guy was so rude. We should just yeah, go somewhere that else. That guy's an asshole in his Rod Stewart hat and his Captain America shirt. Fuck him. We're never coming and back hope, to the I Elmo Jack house. I hope that was a conversation they had all night long. <laughs> and the, you know, the wife will let go and the husband's going, please shut the fuck up. Um, like, again, with the people sitting next to you, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> 30 years of this and I'm done. I'm done. Darren, I'm out. Get a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be my dream. (laughs) But yeah, like I said, don't, don't pick the seat next to us. It clearly marks like, you know, there's the circle with the theater and have a good time. You always do this. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to sit down, eat some popcorn and watch a fucking shell talk about his life. And you (laughs) fucked it up again because you're such a bitch and you run your mouth. Oh, man, that'd be awesome if that happened. That's my goal. <laughs> that I created marital strife and it ended in a divorce. <laughs> or, a, or a burial in the backyard. I don't care which one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, jumped, we jumped from hey, one thing see, that was bad he, enough. He, he killed her and he buried her in the backyard. That, yeah, that's I, I, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, buddy. I don't know if the joke there. landed. <laughs> Oh no no! It, it landed. The problem is it crash landed. No, but just it just irritated me. You know, let I that know. be a lesson to anyone uh, when choosing seats. It you know your choice of seats could ruin your marriage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't pick the seats right next to somebody else when there's you know eighty other open seats. Ah uh, yes, that is the first rule in the marriage counselor's handbook. I forgot about that. <laughs> Don't pick the wrong seats at <laughs> the movie theater. Because it, at noon uh, at the Alamo is usually for like the kids showings, you know, uh-huh, when, you yeah. come, when they come in, they have a little like cartoon film reel guy comes out and it says, hey, kids, remember to be respectful. And the and right in front, this is what I mean. The guy right in front of me brought his little boy, too. So he must have saw that the two seats we had were taken. And he says, you know, my son and I will sit in front of these people because um, I've taught my son to be a respectful moviegoer, and his little boy was younger than Kellen, and he was a good boy too. He got his corn dogs and didn't say a fucking word. So fuck that lady. <laughs> you know, historically, when I've gone to matinee shows that early, and it's usually yeah older people uh, there, mm-hmm. they are often very rude. They like they will they are they the worst, them. right? They will talk. They will just talk through the movie. Um, yeah, like the at the shares or the Mayan like that's that usually happens and yeah they're just shamelessly uh having a conversation the whole time um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I've gotten to the point though Brad I tell people to shut the fuck up because I'm just tired of it it's it's annoying so well it's a little easier when you have your kid because like who's really gonna engage you and oh 
my dream is for someone to engage me. Like last time I told someone to shut Laura up, they, uh, they assaulted me. So <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd welcome it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. You do, do something about it. Sweet. Please do give me a reason. I always say that in my job too. Give me a reason. Give me a reason. Anywho, that was, that was my Alamo story for the day that I made some old lady and her husband leave. That's cool. It's time for us to rise up. Yeah. I hope they didn't stop at the box office. I hope they didn't get a, a refund or anything. And then the husband's like, you cost me $26. You, <laughs> Anyways. I hope, actually, I, hope, <laughs> I hope it continued at the box office where the, the cashier was like, okay, can you state the reason for your seat change? And she had to actually <laughs> say like, well, I didn't want to sit next to a little boy. And then the cashier was like, oh, all right. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can change your seat. <laughs> but yeah, I hope, I hope it was really judgy. I hope so too. That's our goal. So, um, thanks for listening. I, you know, we usually do other things, but Brad told a story. We reviewed the film. I, I think that's a good cutting off point for a podcast. Um, wow, really? No, no news this week? No, uh, I, I didn't well, see there, anything. Uh, the, there is news. It came out today. <laughs> Oh, sure, Zach. And regale us with movie news. It's real news. So remember the Zack Snyder's Justice League? Are we still talking about this stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we are because apparently all the fan fervor for that was bot controlled. <laughs> Um, no way <laughs> the war media had commissioned a report that indicated at least 13 percent of the accounts that took part in this conversation about a snyder cut were deemed fake and part of the reports and milling around suggest that zach snyder was throwing around his clout uh in 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 a bit of a negative light i i don't know what to fully make of it because they well, they're literally making snyder out to look like a super villain and it and some of it seems a little bit unbelievable but uh, actually it doesn't to me i i the whole thing with it, it seemed really disingenuous um because they even voted for you know the stupid oscar thing for mm-hmm. the fan moment of the year was the flash are you kidding me that reeks yeah. and that's the problem when you do things on Twitter or Facebook is nothing is genuine. You can hire robots or bots to go in and vote for you by hashtags. And I, I had this thing too, with um, getting media credentials for a certain event where you had to have 2000 followers on all your social media platforms, uh-huh. which I could totally get if I paid for advertising and had a bunch of bots like my page. And that's all it is. And it's, and it, it, the, the culture that online perpetuates now is one of negativity and demanding to get your way. And it's, 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 and some of the Snyder release of Snyder cut people are some of the worst on the internet. They're just mean. And, 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 but also Warner brothers doesn't know if they're pitching or catching. The tone of their movies are all over the place. They have no cohesiveness. So don't embrace, you know, a Marvel style cohesiveness to your universe. Just make cool fucking movies like uh, The Suicide Squad or Shazam. You know, you don't have to tie them together. Just make good movies that tell interesting stories. They Mm -hmm. fucked this up so bad 
from Joss Whedon telling Gal Gadot that she's um, not talented and to whatever he said to Cyborg guy, Ray Fisher, this has been toxic forever. So they need just a clean slate because not only do they have a problem with their movies, but they have a problem with Ezra Miller right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, th- I, I mean, I guess Black Adam, it looks interesting. So they have nothing to blame but themselves for a, not a cohesive unit, for creating a, a hostile work environment, a toxic work environment. Yeah. Everything they've done, they've reaped and sowed. And whether it's Zack Snyder or Warner Brothers, but they've also cultivated this fan base of n- negative reaction. So I don't feel bad for Zack Snyder and or uh, Warner Brothers because I think Zack Snyder is up his own ass right now when you watch stuff like the Justice League, which is a fine, okay film, but Army of the Dead is garbage. So mm-hmm. th- I'm sorry, I just ranted there, but I yeah. just get tired of... <laughs> Go back, the- what are the bots for? Were they for the... Uh- the Oscars thing, or were they for the like getting the you know director's cut made? It was the for getting the direct, getting for the director's cut made. The Oscar thing has actually been this weird defensive point from the Snyder fans that are legitimate, or I have no idea what's real and what's fake anymore. Um, but um, it, so but Warner Media was the one that commissioned the study, but it's almost like at the same time you're doing that, you're also kind of like pointing out your insecurity over decisions you've made prior and right. like you're under new management now like as ryan said it's time for clean slate time you can't it, why keep digging into this hole so so the new management conducted a study about the old management that said the old management decided to hey let's fake a bunch of um no the accusation no. is that snyder was behind the bots. So Zack so, Snyder himself was like, I'm going to take this from yeah. Snyder Cut people like, and increase a bunch of like, or create awareness bots about it. Yeah. And so to if encourage you read the Warner article, Brothers which, to green light it. Yeah. It, which you, if you go to Rolling Stone, they have the whole article and it's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack. Yeah. But it's, it goes really into that Warner Brothers believes that Snyder hired these internet firms, I don't even know what you'd call them, but hired people that are social media savvy to create bots that would uh, populate Twitterverse, Facebook and stuff with hashtag release the Snyder cut. And by doing that, Warner Brothers felt compelled to give him a hundred million dollars to complete the film. And by, uh, so they launched this thing into it and they found that bots accounted on average, three to five percent of all hashtags, but for the Snyder Cut, the bots accounted for thirteen percent of them, so a, a substantial amount more. And mm. it, it, it's it's a lot to unpack, but I I, I think that where it's hard for me to think that Warner Brothers is genuine in this too, because ever since that merger with Discovery, like I don't even know what the fuck they're doing there. I. I I, I don't know if I can say this on a podcast, but I'll, I'll say it anyways. I talked to a certain very talented comic book artist off the record, and I won't say who it is, but they talked about Warner Brothers not knowing what the hell they're doing and 
that there's chatter that they're trying to get rid of DC and the IPs because it's the most valuable thing they have. And that, uh, so they're going to break off um, the comic book part because they only want to focus on unscripted shows. I mean, they've canceled shows on TBS that are already finished. So, so, so the, so the, so what you're saying is Warner Brothers is no longer a film studio anymore. It's now pretty much. Discovery. Wow, that is fucking depressing. <laughs> yeah. So, because Discovery is in charge of it now, and I, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but it's not the first time I've heard this. Because it not only was a, a comic book creator that I talked to off the record, but I also talked to, um, I might give too much away. I talked to someone who's been in the TV business for 30 something years. And they told me the same thing that mm. it's good to get in with Disney right now because Disney plus and, uh, their movie division is cultivating the artistic, um, I don't know what you call it. Like they both, they have room for cartoons and streaming stuff and theatrical releases. So it's, you feel more comfortable working for them and Disney still wants to produce comic books. So um, they're separate entities, but they're not looking to get rid of, you know, Spider-Man because he's worth several billion dollars where Warner brothers discovery is trying to dump Batman and Superman and wonder woman who are, you know, worth several billions of dollars because they can make money back. So anyways, that's my rant. And I've heard it from several people. So uh, the people that are in charge of Warner Brothers right now, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to speak ill of them because I don't know. But um, it seems that they're really going that way. And also, uh, that's why they really haven't announced what the next game from NetherRealm Studios, who makes Mortal Kombat and Injustice is. And one of the rumors is why they're making Mortal Kombat is because they can't make an Injustice game because they don't know if Warner Brothers video games are going to still release video games. So they don't want to spend all this time building a new Injustice game with DC IPs, and then Warner Brothers go, oh, well, we don't want to release these games. So it's it's a mess. Ryan? Yes? They take away fucking Warner Archives. I swear to fucking Christ. I mean, we um, cool. if, they, if they sell Warner Archives to like Shout Factory or whatever, I don't care. They don't That's care about actually their, a good point. Give it to they don't care criterion. about their past anyways. So clearly not. If they're only if they're <laughs> if they're not trying to find a cut of of Night at the Opera that clearly exists in Hungary that has more footage in it. Anyway, that's my rant over. I mean, 20th Century Fox is gone, but their films are finding life on Disney Plus. So there's no that's what I Warner mean. Brothers can't. Most do. of um, Young Frankenstein's not available on there. Well, you know how you stop all this? Physical media. Yeah, well, you know how you stop like, all this? Just by physical. Because also, yeah. Netflix just released, they're going to start really cracking down on password sharing. That if you're sharing oh. your password, you have to pay an additional like $4 a month when it's already the most expensive streaming service you can have. Fuck them. Yeah. Whatever, they're not going <laughs> to recklessly give Martin Scorsese money anymore, so I don't kind of give a shit about them anymore. <laughs> yeah, but they paid $400 million for Knives Out and its sequel. Come on. I know. I know. That's true. I am going to watch is it, that. Is this, I'm going to watch it, but is it subscribers really the problem? 
or no, you don't know. <laughs> you know they, what I mean? It's, they don't know what people want. Nobody knows what anybody <laughs> wants anymore. This market's uncertain. The whole world's topsy-turvy. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. That's a reference. Um, but yeah, regardless, though, um, to, to, I didn't mean for this to be a larger thing than it was. I merely pointed it out because it's kind of a weird like epilogue to the Snyderverse thing. Yeah, I'm still I just trying to figure it was out. Interesting. Yeah. I'm still trying to go back to the beginning where he quit because uh the tragedy with his daughter but then while that was going on he's like i'm gonna buy a bunch of bots so i can get back on this movie even though i quit it like okay well there it's a combination of he left but also they were they were actively pushing again pushing for him to kind of scoot out so yeah they, they bring weed uh, in. i think it's walter uh, hamada it was yeah. the president of dc at the time he did not like whatever if you read the article on Rolling Stone too, it goes back that they weren't happy with Batman Superman. And then he started making this movie because they committed to Justice League at before Batman and Superman was made. And they, uh, they just weren't impressed. And that's the real reason they brought Whedon on. And um, I, I don't know. I, I don't what, know what to say. What was wrong with Batman v Superman? Uh, I was killed by Batman comments. v Superman. <laughs> Brad was immediately um, killed by comments. Yep, I have died of comments. <laughs> Why did you say that word? <laughs> All right. Anyway, but anywho, it's it's over with. Um, and hopefully, you know, what like it's sad that Warner Brothers has this amazing catalog and um, amazing properties and amazing IPs. And now, who knows? I mean, when's the, what's the next Warner Brothers movie that's even coming out? You know what I mean? Black Adam. Uh, it's Casablanca 2. <laughs> so October? What was the one before that? I don't even remember. Uh, August 5th, there's an untitled WB event film <laughs> <laughs> for wide release. I'm guessing that should be taken off the... Like I said, Casablanca too. Well, actually, July 29th, there's the League of Super Pets. That's the one where. Oh, yeah, I guess that's the that's the big one. That's what's gonna save the studio. And then there's a untitled yeah. event film that has had no promotion, has no title, on August 5th. Yeah, I can't wait to see League of Super Pets. Speaking of which, July 29th is going to be Film Explosion 2002. So um, if you if you have what? those lists, make sure you get them to us. Um, and I was thinking too, Brad, you know, we're like, man, you know, we got to pad some movies. August 5th, not only does Bullet Train and um, another movie we're going to see come out that day, um, but uh, on Hulu, uh, the new Predator movie comes out that day too. So uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah. So there's three movies we can spread out the month of August and watch. Cool. Um, I mean, if I had the choice, August 5th would be Prey, but you know. <laughs> yeah i mean we're gonna get to all three of them so yeah any, so I mean. any combination of that's fine hey film buddies follow me around denver <laughs> greetings this is brad from the future i'm recording this in next week's episode because i haven't put out last week's episode yet so you're gonna get next week's information in a previous episode and then reiterated in the current week's episode. So check this out. This week at the Esquire, the late night is The Empire Strikes Back. 
Last week, it was A New Hope, but I was out of town at Trauma Dance and didn't get the episode up, so you wouldn't have known that. But now, you know that this week is The Empire Strikes Back, and next week will be Return of the Jedi. They are the special editions, and you can watch those at 10 p.m. at The Esquire. Also, in September, Tommy Wiseau is coming back in person to screen The Room for everybody on Friday, September 16th and September 17th. Um, Tickets are $20 for those, but it is worth it to see Tommy Wiseau in person introducing his film, The Room. So go to landmarktheaters.com slash Denver to buy those tickets. And at the drive-in, the Holiday Twin double feature on screen one is Minions and Jurassic World Dominion. And screen two is Thor Love and Thunder and Top Gun Maverick. And of course, the 88 Drive-In is screening Minions and Jurassic World Dominion through Thursday, July 21st. So uh, it may change tomorrow. I don't know. I don't think it will. Um, But yeah, Uh, don't forget to buy uh, one of their new t-shirts that I designed uh, if you go there. So that's what's going on around town. in here for another installment of Showtime. But instead of telling you about something cool I've been watching lately, I am instead going to tell you about something terrible I watched, namely Netflix's 2022 Persuasion. Oof. Okay, so off the bat, I'll say I had to watch the movie in two different sittings. At first, I was with my friend Julie. She's a big Jane Austen fan like me. And we got through, I'd say, about half, maybe two-thirds of the movie. And we got interrupted. We weren't able to finish it together. So I had to finish it separately later last night um, by myself. And um, it was way more fun watching it with Julie because we were able to just sit there and roast it and complain about it the whole time. But then watching it by myself, I was just... Uh, it's so cringy and terrible and I I just I actually was watching it on my phone because on your at least on mobile you can change the playback speed so I increased it to 1.5 times speed and just kind of blitz through it that way which was probably the best way to do it if I could have done it up to two times speed I would have but it only goes up to 1.5 so yeah that sucks <sighs> Okay, there are a few good things about the movie, but on the whole, it's terrible because they try to do two different movies at once. One is this very modern, um, very kitschy humor, very, you know, this like modern language of, you know, he's a 10 and I never trust a 10. And this, you know, looking at the camera, breaking the fourth wall like in Fleabag and making commentary on all the other characters being, you know, very meta about it. That is one part of the movie. And then the other is like an actually somewhat decent adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion. But the problem is is they tried to Frankenstein the two together. So some scenes are almost word-for-word adaptations of the Jane Austen novel, and then other scenes are completely made up for the plot and the drama, and they don't make any sense with 
the characters or the story or the tone that, at least in the novel, <laughs> you know, it's a very melancholic, it's very sad and depressing and infuriating novel because Anne is just stuck with these terrible people and she's, you know, lost her one chance for happiness. So you're just, you're, you're frustrated for her and alongside her. And in the movie, they turn it into this, this giant joke of like, ha ha ha, look at all these really weird and stupid people that she has to live with. Isn't it hilarious? Aren't they just so over the top? And it's like, you're not supposed to find them funny. You're supposed to find them infuriating and you want to like murder them. <laughs> at least that's how I always felt. Her family just always made me want to just punch them. I, I just, it's so frustrating because there are moments where I was like, that wasn't so bad. But it's hard to be, <laughs> to quote Mr. Plinkett, it's hard to be this disappointed when your expectations are so low they're right next to fucking dinosaur bones. It's just, it was pretty much what it, you know, what the trailer made it out to be. So, what good things can I say about it? Um, the production value wasn't terrible. The makeup, the hair and makeup were just absolutely blah. So many times, Dakota Johnson's and Elliot looked like something out of, like a, here, like a Regency era, like, People Magazine fashion shoot, or whatever, I don't know, fashion, but, you know, it's like she had, like, the very plucked eyebrows and the beach waves and the, you know, eyeliner. She, yeah, as people online commented, it's like, everyone in this movie looks like they know what the internet is. They, they It's very, very modern hair and makeup. The Regency era clothes, though, from my untrained eye, looked okay. At the very least... They, like, the people looked good in them. Like, they flattered each individual actor or character. So I was like, at least from an aesthetic sense, I was like, not too bad. And the cinematography and the set design seemed to be pretty good. So, yeah, like I said, the production value wasn't terrible. Um, it's just, just the writing was atrocious, uh, as expected. Um, the performances, I won't say whether Dakota Johnson did a good or a bad job, because I was just so infuriated with how they changed the character that I couldn't be impartial about it. I guess she did fine. I don't know. Um, I will, uh, oh my gosh, Henry Golding as Mr. Elliot I know, people online were like, why is Henry Golding playing the villain? He should be playing the romantic lead. And I'm like, when you see him show up, you want them to change the ending of the movie so that she does end up with Mr. Elliot instead of Mr. Wentworth because, bruh, he looks so hot in this movie. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Henry Golding in Regency era clothes, man. Looking, looking good. He can get it. Um... Yeah, he did an excellent job. He was very smug. I don't think that that's Mr. Elliot from the book, necessarily, but I was like, it worked. For whatever reason, I think it's just because it's Henry Golding and he's charming. Um, it works, I guess. And honestly, I would say the best performance was Cosmo Jarvis, who plays Mr. Wentworth. 
I wasn't expecting a lot of him, but he seemed to have a very dignified, very um, serious, like where everybody else was like ridiculous and over the top. He was the one who seemed the most grounded and the most real and the most accurate to his character from the book. So I think that that's probably, that was partially why I liked him. Um, but just in general, I thought his performance was really, really good. So props to him. I don't know if I've seen him in anything, probably because he's British and I watch everything that's British, but yeah, he did pretty good. So, uh, and then Richard E. Grant was good as her dad, as I had predicted. Um, but the problem was he wasn't in the movie very much. Um, they kind of just, he's in maybe, what, three scenes? And he doesn't get a lot to work with. But what he does get to work with, I was like, this feels very accurate to Sir Walter Elliot. Just ridiculous and vain and just so self-absorbed and self-conceited. So, yeah, not, not in it that much, though, which was kind of frustrating, but, yeah, everything else is just terrible. And for those of you who are not Jane Austen fans and you're like, well, I just don't understand. Like, why why are you so hung up over this? Just imagine someone takes your favorite painting of all time, takes a photo of it, runs it through Instagram filters, then prints out a photocopy of that Instagram filtered version of your favorite painting and then takes a giant shit all over it. That's kind of how this movie felt to me. Um, it's like it's a copy of an Instagram filtered version of a thing that was, you know, a masterpiece. And then you just shat all over it. So, this writing team apparently is working on adaptations of Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. And... Admittedly, I think that this style of writing would work slightly better with those books because they weren't quite as serious since Jane Austen wrote Persuasion at the end of her life when she was, um, I, I don't know if she was sick or if she was dying, but she was, you know, she was getting older. She was not in the best of health. She didn't have the best family relationships. She was dirt poor. And the, the book Persuasion really reflects that that tone and that just kind of melancholic, almost depressive attitude and, or outlook. And Pride and Prejudice and Sense and, like, Sense and Sensibility has, like, some moments of, like, real seriousness, but Pride and Prejudice is mostly just, you know, ridiculous and kind of a comedy of errors sort of thing. And I think, again, this kind of humor could work a little bit better but it would still, if they're going to, you know, put modern day dialogue where people say things like, well, I'm an empath alongside the things that were written in the 1800s, it's just going to clash in this absolutely absurd way. And I don't think anybody's really going to get anything out of it. The Austin fans are going to hate it. And all the casual fans might watch it and be like, well, that was a decent movie. And then never remember it. Never think about it ever again. So, if you're going to make these movies, who are you making them for? Are you going to make them for someone who who will revisit them year in and year out? And who, you know, will 
quote them religiously and, and talk about them en masse and have all sorts of internet debates and fights about it? Or are you going to make it for a casual audience who doesn't understand Jane Austen and who is just kind of dumb, to be quite honest? It's I'm not saying that if you don't read Jane Austen, you're dumb, but it's just more of, like, what is the threshold here? Are you writing this for the 13-year-olds who won't get off a of TikTok, or are you writing it for the people who grew up with reading Jane Austen of any age? So, pick your poison here, people. And let's be honest, a lot of this could have been avoided if they had done just one of two things. Either they could have just said it in the modern day, where characters could say things like, I'm an empath, or he's a 10 and I never trust a 10, and it wouldn't feel so jarringly out of place. Or they could have just not tried to make Persuasion a comedy at all. They, that's what they were trying to do, is they were trying to make it a rom-com, and Persuasion of all of Jane Austen's works is most definitely not a rom-com. Yes, it's technically a comedy because the couple gets together at the end, and it does have elements of romance, but it's not a comedy in that it's funny. It's a comedy in that it's, a, you know, it has a happy ending. <laughs> if anything, it feels more like a tragedy, up until just like the last 10 minutes or so. I mean, you know, of other adaptations, like the only the last, what, maybe three to five chapters of the novel is when all the good shit happens. <laughs> but up until then, it's basically like Anne being burdened by her family, and being hated on by everyone, or at least like her immediate family. Her extended family is pretty nice to her. And then, you know, just having to navigate this, you know, relationship with this guy that she had been engaged to, and that they're not really on speaking terms, but they feel awkward around each other and everything. And then, you know, Mr. Elliot being a villain in the background. But no, they tried to, they tried to make it a rom-com. And it is definitely not that. So, it's just infuriating. But anyway, I've been talking about this for almost 13 minutes now, and I'm sure you're all getting plenty bored. So, I'll just leave it at that, even though I could say plenty, plenty about this. Um, but for another time, perhaps. So I will talk to you all next time with something. And thanks for letting me rant, nerds. Bye. But next week is Nope, the new Jordan Pill film. Yeah. It, it's been getting a uh, really positive buzz. People saw it last night. Yeah. Um, the press the, did. So The buzz is see it in IMAX. So... Guess who might be portraying the Alamo this weekend? Yeah, <laughs> you can go see that big show. Um, no, but they shot it with IMAX cameras, so that's why you'd want to go, is what the word is from those articles. I'm going to go a bunch of times because I've done that before with Peel, and I'll do it again. So uh, thanks for everybody who's listening, watching. I appreciate it. Sorry about my Warner Brothers rant. They just have irritated me the last couple weeks. Um, Sorry about my... Uh, trip rant nope that was good stuff I, I think we had a really positive show and if you want to be more positive see marcel the shell uh we'll see you next week at the movies for nope thanks for listening and also screw you <laughs> yeah what it's a really, po- really positive show yeah yeah
It is. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcel the oh. show. Why do I smile so much? Because it's fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it! What the fuck was that, Zach? <laughs> Bye-bye! No, no, no catchphrases on this show. But, but I'm trying for something. I want to get something <laughs> new going on here, Ryan. I mean, the only gonna... catchphrase is a shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's my catchphrase. Something that people say to each other in the middle of traffic. Shut the or no, not shut the fuck up. And movie theaters. Oh, yeah. That actually, that's a real nerds T-shirt. You yelling "shut the fuck up" to people who annoy you at the movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) Just call me the marriage breaker. I kind of want that. I actually do genuinely want that kind of movie. (laughs) <laughs> just a guy who breaks up people's marriages through inconvenient seating at movie theaters <laughs> I'll be the new PSA for Alamo it's like the movie License to Wed but in way reverse <laughs> you sit next to this guy you talk during this movie your marriage is broken up <laughs> you could actually probably turn that into a five minute PSA from the 50s <laughs> yep <laughs> Anyway, you watch out, marriage broken up. Well, don't sit next to this guy. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure it happens. See, <laughs> it's a caricature of Ryan with gloves on, like a cartoon gloves. <laughs> That's right. Choose your seats very carefully. <laughs> picture, picture Ryan just like <laughs> with wagging gloved fingers as a cartoon going. Bah, 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 bah. Sorry. If, your, if your screen is not completely sold out, leave one seat in between each each attempt. Fred, <laughs> stop it. I'm going to laugh too hard at this. <laughs> That's the next t-shirt, please. You must insist on absolute quiet, like that guy. <laughs> Thank you, and enjoy the show. The ending is him pushing that narrator out <laughs> out of the film itself. Fuck yeah. I love this idea. <laughs>